Okay, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 170 with my guest, Erin Dyer. This is Erin's fourth time on the podcast. Erin's a good friend of mine. She's a member of Buke and Gase, an amazing uh, music duo based in uh, upstate New York. Erin uh, wrote a... Is, she's an amazing composer. She rebuilds bicycles. She's a landscaper. Uh, and she's an amazing composer. She wrote a piece called Drone Choir, and we, we speak a bit, a bit about that today, but mainly just catch up. We've been sort of checking in during the pandemic, keeping an eye on each other, making sure we're doing okay. And, and it's always nice to catch up with Erin. Um, if you don't know her work, you should check her out, especially her work uh, called Drone Choir. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. Hope you like this conversation. This is Erin Dyer. Talk to you soon. Bye. Just, just fine. All right, Aaron, we're rolling, buddy. Okay. How you doing, my friend? I'm oh okay. I'm good. Hanging I'm in good. There. Um. Well, you. Wow. You are. You are. Um. Uh, you are the one. You. You are who I first checked in with during the pandemic. You were my very That's first right. pandemic uh, check-in therapy. We'll call it. You were my first therapy session for me, not for you, for me. It's um, kind of both ways. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know if. I'm just going to say for me, for sure, I definitely used you as a therapist uh, starting on, starting early on, whether you knew that or not, or whether you agreed to it or not. Um, and then we checked in a, at least two other times, and now this is maybe our fourth time checking in. And um, yes. I don't, I don't have a. There's just so much, so much shit that's happened in the last four, four to six months. So I'm kind of, fi- I'm fine to start and talk about whatever you would like to, my friend. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, a lot has happened in the last month. In the really? last four I've days, a- are you kidding me? Yeah, right. The yeah. Pentagon well, said yeah. there are UFOs. I mean, let's just let's just pretend twenty twenty had nothing except for that. It would still be a remarkable twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> so UFOs, well, duh. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, oh crap! And I just put a thing in my in my mouth. Mm, um. Okay. Yeah. Start off like. I'm sorry for talking with my mouth full. It's fine. It's the least of, least of our least of our worries here in 2020. It's my necessity right now at this mm-hmm. time. Um, okay, so starting out a month ago, I got a message from a friend who has a studio in Brooklyn. And he was like, "Hey, Aaron. So just you know, because of COVID, like our studio has been really empty. Like all of our plans have been have fallen through because everybody's had to cancel because they can't travel or mm-hmm. they can't afford it anymore." Would you be interested in a super discounted or slightly discounted, <laughs> uh, like writing session? Mm. And I said yes. Just to come in and fuck around, and not like with no goals other than just to tinker and write. Well, it turns out I actually do have some goals. Sweet. <laughs> because at the same time, um, are you familiar with Stargaze? They're a chamber orchestra based in... Sorry, this is a podcast. I shouldn't just nod or shake my head. No, I am not familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. So they are based out of Berlin. Okay. But they're also... They live, like, all over the place in Europe. Um, A lot of different members. Incredibly talented. And Andre de Ritter, the conductor... I know Andre. We've worked with him before. Yeah, you have. And, uh, yeah, you know them anyways. So... (laughs) Um, so, wow, 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 wow. so, uh, he had contacted me about like, Hey, so we, let me do it in Andre's accent. Yeah. So we really enjoyed working with you in, uh, Berlin. It's not a half bad. That's not half bad. I mean, that's sort of a basic <laughs> German inflection, but, but Andre is, yeah, he's a sweet guy. I'm, I'm yeah, I know yeah. what he's, that's yeah, good. he's so sweet. So sweet. So he was like, we really enjoyed working with you and we want to see what else you've got. Mm. so let's make it happen let's like he's been on uh talking with kickstarter people and so we're gonna work on a kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. to uh, uh launch an album uh which is basically me collaborating with stargaze mm-hmm. which is kind of like sending me for a total loop because i don't you know well anyways let me let me keep going. Why is it sending? Well, so, wait. Why is it sending you for a total loop? Um. Well, first of all, I'm not classically trained. Yeah, but you need to you way. need to stop saying shit like that because you're really good at stuff. So keep going. 
Okay, but I am not classically trained. Classically meaning I wasn't traditionally cha- trained in classical music or um, classical composition or even classical mu- like instruments. So I'm like flying with the seat of my pants mm-hmm. and and really excited about it. It's so it's so nice. Good. To hear from someone saying like no actually we really believe in you yeah. and we really want to see you push yourself That's to do this yeah so i've been like gathering all this stuff that i've done in the past that i have like little snippets of and putting it on this folder and we've been kind of passing things back and forth and just at this point we're just like brainstorming and talking about things mm-hmm. um like i'm a huge fan of the pj harvey um, collaboration. I forget the, um, I think it's just called the man sized sextet, um, okay. on her, uh, rid of me album. And it's the man sized sextet, um, version of man sized. It's okay. so I don't, amazing. I don't, I don't know it. I've never heard it. So I should check it out. I highly suggest listening to it. Okay. PJ Harvey man sized te- sextet off of rid of me. And it's so just like ballsy. Of course, PJ Harvey's really ballsy. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's one thing. And then I'm, a, oh, God, I'm just so in love with Laura Mvula. How do you spell that? Laura? Laura I have not. Laura. Yep. M-V-U-L-A. M is in Mary. Yep. Mavula. Mvula, yeah. Mvula. Mvula. Okay. Uh, and, I mean, her album, Sing to the Moon, is heartbreakingly beautiful. It's so... <gasps> It just oozes beauty. Singing to the moon. This is maybe not the right word to use. <laughs> what, so what, 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 what word did you use? I used oozed, but I don't think that, that that's the right term for what it makes me feel. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> it's, it's the term that you first use. It's, the, it's the term your brain decided to assign to it. So let's not completely throw it out. It's the term my coffee decided oh, okay, for me. Right. Okay. It's not it the, my brain. This is my brain on coffee. And the first coffee I've had in a week. Well, let me. Sorry, I don't. More I don't, don't want to. I, I apologize if I derail you here, but I again, this is constant honesty, and I think you know me well enough by now that I like to. Un, I like to understand why people are afraid of things, including myself. So, what what is it about being classically trained that you feel is giving you a disadvantage right now, or is, or is at least a sort of mountain you feel like you have to climb? Why is that a thing? Why Why do I feel that not being classically trained? Or if you were if you were classically trained, why do you feel like that would be an advantage right now? Because I I would understand more how to use instruments. And I think, okay, so here's the thing. My friend so basically let me let me fast forward into this story so I can give you a better idea of how this is all coming together. Mm-hmm. I got into the studio, it turns out that um Stargaze has commissioned me to do one piece for them. It's for a certain amount of money, and that's the amount of money that I put towards the studio. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a good faith transfer and putting it into the studio. So then the studio makes a little money, and like, and and I'm able to use the studio for this purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I invited a friend of mine from Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. I've known him since high school. We've just always kept in touch. He's one of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. His name is Devon Russell Gray, and he is a composer, mm-hmm. and he plays bassoon and piano, and is just generally like a very um, calming personality mm-hmm. to be around. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, and um, so he came, and we were going to I don't know. I invited him to uh, brainstorm, improvise, dick around, really, mm-hmm. in a studio. Mm-hmm. And, um, what ended up happening and what was the most instructive for me and the most inspiring for me is that he had prepared a playlist, which I should be able to, I should lead you to that, um, uh, for shoot, I'm not going to remember. Anyways, he, he, he had posted a playlist for something online and, um, in it, he had his favorite pieces that really inspire him. And from that, I was able to see, oh, Right. Classical music doesn't have to be this thing, which I, as a non-classically trained person, automatically put on the word. <laughs> you know, I think of 
Bach. Yeah. Or Mozart. I know it's not French, but who's I wanted that? to put Bach, it. Who was the second one? Bach was the first one. Yeah, Mozart was the Who's that? Who are you saying? I still haven't recognized Mozart. This. Mozart. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> I thought you were saying Mazel, like Lauren Mazel, the conductor. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Anyways. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> so, but, but those are the things that I was taught. I took piano lessons yeah, when I was yeah. a kid. And, you know, I would get this little stupid But the bus, thing you're not talk about, like, taught about, the thing that sucks, though, is that you're also not taught about Bach, that he had like 24 children or something. Which, which, I didn't know that. Which, I mean, just stop for two seconds and put yourself in the mindset of a guy. Like, just ask yourself what it takes to have 24 children. Forget you're a composer. That means something. <laughs> Listen, we don't We don't need to. Okay. We don't need to okay, beat around well, the bush, Aaron. But what I'm saying. Never mind that guy. Well, I'm not saying never mind. But what I'm saying is you, we might have a different view of him. We might see him a little more complicated, a little more nuanced as this guy who, like, Oh, he had 23 kids or something, had to create a new mass every Sunday. He had a gig and he had a gun held to his head being like, sorry, we got a new mass every Sunday. And then he went in and figured out, like came up with figure bass, which is basically like a lead sheet, sort of like, I don't know, I'm just going to blow over these changes. You know, like he was figuring stuff out just like we were. And now music historians and universities have canonized him as this figure, except he was a person like you or me who had a different family life than I have. I don't have thir- twenty. I have, three, by the seat of pants. I, I have two dogs, and I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Let alone having twenty three <laughs> kids. You know, like so. Anyway, just to say that, like, I think okay. you have way more in common with Bach than I think you you think you do. Just okay, to say that out well, loud. that's fair, and it's all about context. Yeah. it's very yeah. fair. Um, at the same at the same time, my context mm-hmm. coming from a, being like an eighties slash nineties baby mm-hmm. um, is that classical music is very outdated. Mm. And I didn't understand classical music to be like uh, even. What's the word? Just emo. I didn't even mm-hmm. find it to be inspiring and 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 understandably as like a uh, like rock music. In it a didn't way. feel Just, like uh, relevant. It didn't feel relevant to the stuff I was listening. Like I didn't know how to piece together. Like I was listening to Metallica or Pantera growing up. And right. Well, now, okay. What I'm trying to say is that that kind of classical music was like Pantera mm, at the time. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was loud. It was abrasive. It in was its time. Different. Yeah. In his time. That's, yes. So that's I didn't true. understand that until my adulthood. Right. Because yeah, I mean, I me neither, just to be clear, right. I'm saying all this stuff, but I didn't learn until I got to Yale, even at grad school. I didn't even know that stuff. Right. Okay. Well, so, um, but then there's all this other kind of music like, uh, Ryuchi, you're gonna know who it is, Ryuchi, Ryuchi. Oh gosh. Anyways, Johan Johansson. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Just like woo, that arrival soundtrack. Fuck. That is so <laughs> amazing. Uh-huh. That's the kind of stuff I want to write. Okay. That's definitely what I want to write. Yeah. That and um, wait, I'm going through my list. I got a list. It's, it's oh, not on here. It is Ryuichi Sakamoto. Okay. Um, what did they write? Film. What did they write for? Well, actually, they did the uh, soundtrack for Revenant. Okay, that's okay. He, it's all coming together. Did. Sorry, I, he, I had no idea who you're talking about. Halfway through, and then Bryce Sessner and um uh ooh, this other dude who I should know the name of um. Anyways, um, oh, oh yeah, Alvinoto. Okay. So these were these were people who are just new to me, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that was really inspiring to think of. Oh right, okay. So classical music, it can be like that, mm-hmm. and it can be soft and slow and dark and like uh, painful. Yeah. Um, and so basically, what I'm trying to say is that after going through that process with Devon, I, I it really expanded my mind to see um, the. Uh, to see that I just need to make the music I want to hear as opposed to try to make this. Cause what I was going into it is be like, okay, well what can this orchestra do? Mm-hmm. And I should make it do that thing that it can do. Right. And, um, and go like just reaching into what my m- most immediate, it's like nobody, uh, nobody ever gets inside of a Corvette. Nobody ever gets inside of a Corvette and is like, 
let's just let this sucker go two miles an hour and let's just feel how comfortable this is. Like everybody gets in it and just slams the gas and just like, look at this, you know, and just like if you got to write for the Cleveland Orchestra, that doesn't mean that you should write the hardest stuff. Like they may actually be able to play the most slow moving, moving chorale or something that you come up with way better than some orchestra who can't play fast rhythms or whatever, you know, like, so just, you know, your instincts oftentimes in that moment of like, Oh, people do this with so all the time. They come to associate and they're like, we're going to write for so percussion and they dump the kitchen sink on us. And it's like, (laughs) like, no, no, no. I understand what you're doing, but don't you realize you would get, 400 times more out of us if you limited what it is that you want to want to do and run mm-hmm. yourself through that extruder a little bit and the, the on yeah. the other end both of us are going to be way better versions of ourselves right so it's about setting limits right right it's about setting limits on so many levels and this whole this whole scenario you know coronavirus where it's forcing limits on us it's uh-huh. forcing forcing us to limit who on some we of con- us not all of us but some of us some of us it feels Both like of us, yeah. it's forcing us to limit who we contact and how often mm-hmm. where we go and how often how we get there um so many things like how we spend our pastime how we how we interact with the people that we love mm-hmm. who we have to be with on a 24 7 basis it's fine everything's fine well i've been having these moments i don't know about you but like you know we're, so has a gig in in august that we're it's not in front of a live audience but it's like uh we're filming stuff but it's in the venue where we were going to play before and we're all of a sudden starting to have to like we're entering into this new world of signing your life away like i had to sign a waiver to be able to get in the venue and right because if you get sick well i can't sue them can't, and, and it's just you can't sue them. it's like a new thing in the world right now and i had this weird mm-hmm. moment of like i actually don't I'm being very selfish right now. I actually don't want to get in the room. My health is more, more important to me than getting in the room and playing John Cage with Jason, Adam and Eric. Not that, I mean, I don't, I, Have I, you I, seen I him? not in person since this whole thing happened, but to me, it's like, there's, there's a point at which like my ethics around what I feel good music is supposed to be in the world. Meet my reality of like, I do not want to die. So I do not care. Like right. I, John, Steve Reich's music, not important. I just do not care. And like, don't care. <laughs> having to sort of, oh, I'm just saying this out loud is like I'm not saying that's a rational necessarily a rational thing that that I feel like I want to believe in long term but right now mm-hmm. it's the like oh my god these are all the feelings I'm having and it's to me it's just an, I'm trying to clock it in the same way that doing the corona cast podcast we're just a, like I just want to get my ring of a tree on record and just to sort of be able to look back and see how I was thinking about this stuff but it's mm-hmm. it's 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 really confusing. I'm just, I'm, that's all I can say is like, I'm really confused by the way I feel about this stuff sometimes. Mm. Um, so I'm curious. Uh, yeah. It's, it's exciting to me to hear you talk about this stuff because it, it oh helps me think about this stuff a little clearer. Yeah. I made a post recently on Instagram, uh, Instagram. and it was with Instagram and it was with the goal of thanking Alec Bemis, who is the manager of the label that Buke and Gase are on. Mm-hmm. And, um, he has been working his ass off throughout this whole thing. Yeah. Keeping that label afloat, keeping the artists on that label afloat and relevant and interesting. And I just wanted to thank him. And the last thing that I wrote on this post was like, uh, uh, was, I want to thank them, th- thank Brassland, the label, for continuing to do this even when I don't know how to continue. Yeah. It sounded like... <laughs> He took that, or it, it, what, what happened is that he reposted that and was like, oh my gosh, sounds like Aaron needs a little bit of encouragement. Let's. <laughs> Which let's, let's isn't completely untrue, and, but. Uh, but It's not completely untrue, that's right. It, but it, it sounded like a little bit more of a plea. It sounded like you were like, I'm going to quit unless somebody gives me a heart on this post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it wasn't about that. What yeah. I really want to do is just like thank Brassland and put this out like, thank you for yeah. just putting the effort in because I don't know how to put the effort in. I don't want to do live streaming. I don't want to do um, socially dif- distanced uh, performances. I've been invited to do a socially distanced outdoor performance in Hudson. Mm. Um, and I'm considering it maybe. I've heard that it's been going well. Um, there's only been two performances so far. Mm-hmm. Pe- there's like a limit of 50 people. It's all outdoors. Um, there's two nights, so you do Friday and Saturday so that you can get more people. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, the pay is kind of... Right. But... (laughs) But let me ask you this. What what music are they asking you to do 
socially distanced. They didn't ask me to do anything in particular, but I thought about doing one night of, I would like to organize, I would like to figure out a way to post drone choir parts online mm-hmm. and, and get the entire audience involved mm-hmm. for one night. Just do quick, quickie. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, um, the following night I would do mistresses, Buchan Gase with Aaron and then Dean Rez, which is Aaron's project. Mm. Aaron Sanchez. Yeah. Um, which is so good. What's, what's his, what's his project? I've never, I haven't heard of it. Dean Rez with an S at the end of R E S D N is Nancy Rez. It's so good. Find him on SoundCloud. I think he's got stuff on Spotify or title or whatever, just like, or maybe just one song, go to SoundCloud. Cause that's where most of his stuff is. Good. It's so good. He's such an amazing pr- producer. I'm just fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I've been on a record he's produced. I know. <laughs> yeah, he's very yeah. good. He's so good. Anyways, uh, so that might be a thing. I'm. Sp- I want to try to get a get together with. I was going to ask if your drone choir was something. I mean, this is um, Sosi just happened, and we did a. Um, there's a piece by Martin Schmidt that is called Just Waves. Um, do you know Martin? Mm-hmm. You know Martin from Matmos. I don't know. Maybe from he's know. one of the he's one half of Matmus. It's Martin and Drew Daniel. Um, do you know Matmus? Let's move on. Fantastic. <laughs> I know the name. I know the name. They're an amazing. They're an electronic duo from Baltimore, or they they live in Baltimore now. They were from San Francisco for a while. Okay. Um, okay, okay. Anyway, they're great. But they okay. ha- Martin has a piece that is. Um, there's some tracks that people sing along to and we did it remotely, not, not live where people just sent in their videos and it worked out really well. And I, I thought to myself, like your drone choir stuff is probably, I mean, I know that singers are super spreaders, so I don't, I don't know like what the, what the deal is with that, but, but, but it does feel like that is true. But Uh. I think there's, as far as churches are concerned, I think in close, close spaces, it's only tricky, but I think outdoors, I'm, I am curious about this, like, if people are spread out enough, like, it could be really awesome to and have... masks are required. Yeah, I mean, great. But, like, have the drone choir spread out over a football field and have 50 people doing it. Like, that could probably sound pretty goddamn rad. But, a football field? No. Whatever, just like... Couldn't hear it enough, <laughs> un, But have enough people, have enough people where... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can sound pretty cool. I mean, I think... You could do it socially distanced where you just told all the performers, like, don't get close to people, just... Yeah. Be around them. Obviously, we don't want to get anybody, we don't want anybody dying because of drone choir. But um, oh my god! Well, but, and also, I've been really rethinking about drone choir. I'm not. I, right? I I need to um, um, I need to remove myself from it. Basically, Why is that? um, well, um, over humility, perhaps, or the feeling that um, my voice is not necessarily the one that I want to be represented or representative of it and um i would prefer to collaborate with other female composers other female musicians who might be interested in trying to do something like that through that medium through the medium of like headphones the medium of of the way that i've been making Mm -hmm. it work yeah and so i would be a um a facilitator Mm -hmm. a collaborator but not the composer i would Mm -hmm. i would be i would probably become a co composer you know in order to like an arranger yeah Um, or a producer just somebody who helps to sort of organize everything and keep i mean like be a dramaturg be a dramaturg (laughs) like you're you're keeping everybody on whatever track they said they wanted to be on like that's that's the difference between a dramaturg and a director like if you if if somebody comes to you and says i want to do this with a piece and your job is only to be like hey you said you wanted to do this with this piece and now you're doing something completely different are you aware of that like that's an important that's a super important role to play and also keeps your personal aesthetic ego out of it. You're just pointing out where someone else's ego has gone off track um, in terms of their mission. So that, I think that's a, that's an interesting, it's interesting to me that, that you are having those feelings about a piece or a concept that you innovated because what, what, what made you feel like, was there something that happened or were you, was there a perception of things or were you feeling like it was getting out of your control? What was the reasons? It's not at all that I feel like it's, I think it's getting too much under my control. Ah, I mean, it always has been too much under my control and I've made huge mistakes throughout the processes. And I'm, I, um, uh, I, I just, I'm a white woman. I want, I, I want to remove myself. (laughs) 
Well, let me let me challenge. Just as like, I already from, feel like I'm obsolete to a huge extent, and I want to make myself even more obsolete in yeah, a way. <laughs> but let me let me ask you something real quick, and please know that this is a friend asking a friend, and not like I know you well enough. I I think yeah. you know me well enough to know that what I'm asking is, of course, I hope from a good place. But <laughs> I it worries me a little bit when you discount your entire like your intelligence and your compositional prowess, your musical prowess, your ability as a person to make people excited about what you're doing, about what they're doing, about your own personal vision in life, about your energy, all of that stuff. When you distill it down to I'm a white woman, I, yeah. under, I understand. I get it. I totally do, Aaron. Yeah. But I want you also to know that uh, I don't know. I just want I want you to think long and hard before you remove yourself from a situation based solely on something you have no control over. When in fact, the reason this thing exists and all of these people are gravitated towards you is for every other reason. Right. And why why people show up for these things isn't because they they know that there's a white woman who's not going to have the pr- predominant voice. The reason they, at least as far as I'm concerned, when I'm in the room with you. It's not because I feel like you're going to dominate anyone else's voice in the room. It's because you're an interesting fucking person. Yeah. And I, I, okay. I'm only saying like Great. you, okay. it is your piece and you are the compo- you are the person who innovate. So please know that I'm saying you do whatever you got to do. But I also want you to just know that from the outside, trust your, trust your instincts and the power that you wield from the outside. You're using it for good. So just, Think a little bit before you remove yourself completely, because I think you do have awesome shit, and you can help nudge people in great directions. So that's my only two cents. So take that for what take like that for what it's worth. Every time we talk, you end up giving me this kind of. I'm sorry, Aaron. I mean, kind but, of like slight lecture. Well, it's stop. Fine. No, no, no. I'm not, just, don't, don't, don't take it as representative. Don't take it as a lecture. No, no. It, it totally shows me. I mean, I but, see it. I see that I definitely try to dismiss myself. I do it. I. But you can. Uh, you can I, open. Terrified of being dismissed by others, oh, and man. so I preconceive it. And I will sabotage myself <laughs> by dismissing myself. Welcome to the club, know? Aaron. We all do it. But yeah, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is, like, you have power. Like, if diversity and those things are those sorts of issues for you in this world are super important. The power you have, the, the, the place where you have the most power is to hold the door open. Mm-hmm. And if you remove yourself out of it as in an attempt, I just worry that the door might come a little closer, a little more closed. And so just prop your ass in front of that door and just be like, come on in, like, just keep doing that. And then once everybody's in the room, then you can be like, hey, I'm gonna write that I built this room. I, I don't know what's going on in here. And we're going to figure it out together. Then I feel like, you know, generally, I, I don't know. I just don't want you, you're in the room because it's important. And anytime when you're not in the room, that bums me out. And so just before you remove yourself, ask your, ask yourself, tell, ask your say, is, would Josh be bummed to me right now? And then ignore, ignore that feeling. Cause it doesn't really matter what I think. <laughs> but, what would Josh do? What would Josh <laughs> no, 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 no. Just Aaron, I like you in the room. And, it, and when you say you <laughs> want to remove yourself from the room for something as simple as something you have zero control over, that scares me a okay. little bit. Long run, long run. Okay. So hold the door open. You okay, watch, you, hold watch, the door open. you watch Game of Thrones? Uh, I mean, I did. Do you know the, so, yeah, the, the scene H- Hodor at the end where he's Hodor? <laughs> yeah, like, Hodor! That's you. You are the artistic. You're, you're the artistic Hodor. So hold the door open, Aaron. That's what I'm saying. Hodor. <laughs> that's great. Well, so, I'm gonna get a tattoo of that. I'm gonna put that right so, up there. Let me ask you. So, so. <laughs> Sorry, I got a sidetrack from your studio. So, so now you're have you gone into the studio, or is that where you're yeah, at right I spent, now? I spent two weeks in the studio, uh-huh. um, four, five days with Devon, three days with Ryan Oslance, the drummer of Mistresses. He and I improvised a bunch of days by myself. One day with An- Andrea Ambro, who is the drummer of Talk Normal mm-hmm. and Gold Dime. Um, You're just saying words that I'm I'm an old man now, Aaron. I don't understand any of these references. That's fine. I'm just naming them just in case. I mean, you know, if anybody's listening to this, check them all out because they're all interesting. And um, um, and what? And then, yeah. And I spent a lot of time by myself on the freaking unicorda and singing to myself and just trying to, I mean, man, it's so disheartening getting into a room and realizing that I don't know how to play piano. Well, how, how long, I mean, this is something I think, I think when people think about their favorite albums, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, like look at your most, you look at, if you, if the national is one of your favorite bands, you look at, you can look at Sleepwell beast or whatever. And you can be like, Oh cool. They, 
they went into a studio they physically built and wrote all of the songs and did all the stuff there. And then, or you look at Billy Joel, you're like, like oftentimes you can lock out a studio for six months and just go in there and write. I remember Matt was talking about Bjork when they worked with Bjork. Bjork locked out a studio for like three months and just paid Martin and Drew to stay in a hotel and said, awesome. come down here at two in the morning. I need you to lay down this synth track or whatever. And they would go do it. Um, yeah. For you and me, that's less of a reality. It's more like you get your shit together. And then when you get in the studio and it's a thousand bucks a day, your yeah. ass is grinding because you got to get shit in and out in a day. It's a lot of pressure. You only it's have a thousand bucks. Pressure. What was the experience writing? First of all, um, did you have any guilt at any moment when you were just in the studio where you felt like I am wasting time in this beautiful Absolutely. place? And then how did you deal with it? And then B, what, how was the writing process? What did you end up getting out of it that you maybe wouldn't have ever even come close to getting if you were just in your bubble wrapped basement like you're at now okay well the first question which was <laughs> was i wasting time or did i feel like i was did wasting you f- time not, not were yeah, you wasting absolutely. time did you feel like you were wasting time those are two different things well, what ended up happening first of all it's a pro tools based studio i don't use pro tools at home what do you use at least two whole days i spent watching tutorial videos on how to use pro tools <laughs> Yeah. By the end of two weeks, I know how to use Pro Tools sufficiently enough. I'm fine. Are you a Logic or Ableton person predominantly? Reaper. Reaper and Ableton. Oh, okay. I'm Logic, so. Uh, oh, are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're the Jets and the Sharks. If we cross in the streets, we'd be like, boo doop, boo doop, boo doop, doo with a tiny little poker. <laughs> so, so, I mean, did I feel like I was wasting my time watching these tutorials? to an extent, but at the same time, I'm like, well, okay, I mean, this is transferable information and I can use this to my advantage if I ever get into another studio. Um, uh, Another two whole days, I spent watching and obsessing with piano lessons and Mm. theory, music theory lessons Um, and advice for producers, just videos. I was just like, just totally sucking in as much information Mm. as I could. And I felt like I was justified in doing that because I would not be doing that at home. Yeah. You have no reason to. I, I will also, when I'm home, I tend to default to what other people want me to do. Mm. So I make myself as available as possible to do a lot of landscaping work because that's how I make money these days. Mm. And even though I can't get more than three days work, but, um, or whatever else needs to be done mm-hmm. in the house or somebody else's job. Like I worked for Aaron a few days or a bunch of days actually. Anyways. So, so I, and I don't like sit myself down and practice piano. Mm-hmm. I don't have a piano. So to answer the did second you grow, question. Did you grow up playing piano? I mean, yeah, I took uh, cl- lessons. We had a piano in the house and it was kind of like, well, I guess we should give the kids lessons. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I knew that about you. Or maybe I didn't. Yeah, well, my sister started taking piano. I was like, I want to do what she does. And, um, yeah, I took piano lessons. And anyways, I had to take piano lessons in order to get into the percussion section in band, which is what I really wanted to do. I wanted to play uh, drums. You had to take piano lessons to get in the percussion section? Yeah, to get basic music theory. But to get in the percussion section? Yes. Because in my high school, in order to get in the percussion section, they did what's called Take Your Pulse. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of joking, but like. Yeah, I, I know. I didn't have to play. P- I, they were just like, can you breathe in and out on your own? <laughs> and I was like, sure. No. <laughs> I grew up in Minnesota. At that time, the, 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 music, um, the, the music portion of schools was quite well funded mm. and um, cared about. I don't think that it's cared about anymore. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being kind of facetious. Either. Everybody had to be in either choir, band, or orchestra, or two of all three. Or you could be in all three, but then you'd be one of those freaking overachievers and nobody would be your friend. Nobody likes those people. (laughs) (laughs) So I was in band and choir. All right. And then, of course, you could do the alternate stuff, like be in marching band or be in jazz band, which, no. Um, (laughs) Were you in the marching band ever? Yeah. What'd you play? Can I guess? You played snare. Okay, all right. Yeah. I don't know why I picture you as like a flugelhorn player. What the hell? It's like a like um flugelhorn. I told you I just got into percussion. I can't do this. Chuck Mangione, baby. That's the. F- I know you. I know what you said. I'm just telling you what I yeah, picture. My in my, what? What's it called? The 
pa- the embouchure. Callus. Oh yeah, I don't have that thing. The ca- yeah, the callus on your embouchure. 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 Okay, so you didn't you didn't do marching man. Um, I did do marching. You oh, sorry, you did do marching man, but you didn't do yeah. all of them. But you had so. I don't know what we're talking about. I, I got lost. I got, I got confused. Sorry. That's cool. Um, I, oh, cause I, cause I don't know how to play. Oh no. Cause I had to learn how to play piano right. as when I was a kid. Um, and, uh, well, the question was, was I wasting my time? That's and then right. the other question was, what was my writing process? Yeah. What was different once you got yeah. in the studio versus when you're at home? Access, mm-hmm. access to instruments, access to be able to record it. Like, psh- I mean, I was in that space by myself, pushing, you know, recording, editing some things, mm. just like going back and forth from the control room to the oh, ISO. So you didn't have an engineer. There was just no, just you. It okay. was just me. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I had an awesome engineer who helped me set up the whole space, Lily Wen. She's super cool. Um, and uh, yeah, she came in actually three times. One to set up the whole space to begin with. Mm-hmm. Lots of mics. She had everything ready. And then uh, another time to reset up for drums and then to take down. So hmm. it was great. That's awesome. And yeah. And so the process was basically me getting in the space and being like, <gasps> what should I do first? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then I sit down at a piano and I'm like, plink, plink, plink. Oh, right. I don't remember how to play piano. Let's watch a tutorial on how to do scales. <laughs> So I, I started doing scales and I practice scales every day. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, it. Which I don't do when I'm at home. I don't have a piano. I don't practice scales. I don't even practice on my guitar. I have the guitars. What kind of a dumbass am I to have guitars and not practice well, guitar? But I want to just highlight. I, I think um, have you read the book. <laughs> have you, ever, have you ever, excuse me. Have you ever read the book Outliers? Or do you oh, know? by Mal- Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Do you know the book? Um, I'm not sure if I read it. I feel like I have. It's basically sort of like it just talks about people like Bill Gates or people who like, you know, Bill Gates is a kid. His mom worked at the University of Michigan, I think it was, and just so happened to have a key to the mainframe computer on campus. The only one in the entire state, let alone probably the whole country next to Bell Labs, you know. Mm-hmm. And his mom was like, yeah, sure. And like, so he would just get in there after hours and tinker around. And so you ask these questions of like. Yeah, it was Bill Gates, you know, is he a genius? I don't know, maybe, I whatever. But he also just randomly had access to a, like, if his mom, if they lived in Ada, Oklahoma, would Bill Gates, would we know about Bill Gates? I don't know. But the point is, is Bill Gates said, yes, mom, give me the key. And then Bill Gates went and put the key in the door and fucked around. And what right. I'm saying is for you, I, I, what I want people to see here isn't that, like, you went in and made this, like, record that, you know, made Stevie Wonder look like he was an amateur, because you watch YouTube videos, what you did is you took the key and opened the studio door. And like, that's, that's 90% of innovation. That's 90% of learning. That's 90% of life is just showing up and being the person who's willing to put the key in the door and turn it, you know, and also being prepared to fail. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. That goes without saying that if you're the first person (laughs) putting the key in the door, nine times out of 10, when you open the door, there's going to be a raging fire on the other end and you've got to slam the door shut and go the other way. Like that's, you know, and for you, the raging fire wasn't necessarily harmful. It was like, oh, I don't know how to play piano, so let me look at the. Or, or I don't know how. To, I don't know. I don't know Pro Tools. Let me put right. that. Let me put that fire out. Oh my god, I don't know what a compressor does. Let me put that fire out. Oh my <laughs> god. Oh my god. I, a compressor really is like a nuclear weapon in these mixing room. Holy smokes! Yeah. I've made you know, like you've just you've just had those at bats more than other people, and I think that's the sort of that's the tangential thing I want to connect here is that you took advantage of an opportunity during yeah. a time of extreme limitation. Yes, totally. And it was huge. And I'm so grateful for it. And so thank move- you thank you figure eight. Thank you Shazad Ismaili. Indeed. So now moving <laughs> forward, like I mean, we're not the current situation isn't over. We're not like on the other end and like, "Oh boy, glad that's done." But like so for you knowing that, how are, how is your process maybe not changed. I don't want to assume that you've thrown out the old, like any of your old ways of collaborating, but how are you approaching new collaborations now that you're out of the studio moving forward? What is your mindset? How is it slightly differently moving forward? Or is Um, it? I don't want to assume that either. (laughs) To be honest, since I got back from the studio, I haven't done anything musically. And this is about two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Or is that right? No, a week. I got back on the 21st. Okay. Um, Excuse me. 
and I've just set up everything right now mm-hmm. um, yesterday. So I'm getting into it today. Also, I just so I had like a fever scare on Saturday mm-hmm. and told everybody that, uh, hey, I might have COVID. Who knows? Um, went into the doctor, got a bunch of tests. Could be tick related, could be uh, anything, even though, like, how would you catch a freaking cold? I'm I wearing mean, a mask. I know. This is the shit that's going on right now. Like, every time, like, if I get a sniffle, I, I gotta, everybody's gotta remember you could have COVID, but you could also just have a cold or the flu or fever yeah. or, or, or allergies or whatever else is. I mean, that stuff hasn't gone away either. So the level yeah. of panic shoots to the roof the minute you, like, blow your nose. You oh, know? man. I got so scared. So, yeah. So I'm not working this week because my coworkers are. I care about my coworkers yeah. and they also told me that I shouldn't come into work <laughs> until I get test results. That's cool. That's fine. I get it. Yeah. It's so, so, yeah. so it's like another gift, another mm-hmm. gift of like, I have to force myself. I have yeah. to do music now. So, um, yeah, now my process is like, okay, getting into Ableton. What am I going to do in Ableton? How am I going to approach it differently? How am I going to, um, approach? I'm basically searching for different ways to do things at this point. Mm to inspire myself because working with other people and collaborating with other musicians, you don't know what they're going to do. Right. And that's the best part. And it's just a reaction. It's just like, what's your reaction to that? Oh yeah. What do you think about that? It's like a conversation. You know, that's what's so fun about collaborating with yeah. somebody. Yeah. And, um, so when you're alone, it's like, well, I already know what I'm going to do. So that's not fun. <laughs> Um, so it's a matter of like okay well how can I do something that's unpredictable to myself learning a new way to use Ableton learning um, like I might what I'm probably going to end up doing is just making a bunch of sounds into a microphone it's kind of how I started drone choir it's just Mm. like do a bunch of notes say a bunch of things and then bring it into Ableton and manipulate them and see what happens um, you know what I do when I like, I don't work in Ableton that much, but when I, in logic, <clears throat> I'll go in and I'll just like sing a, just a simple sign tone or whatever. And then I'll just, just for like 20 seconds, like nothing even like, I don't even try to do anything good. And then I just will put, you know, I'll put a, an auto tuner on it and then I'll put, you can sing something for 20 seconds. I'll take a breath. I have a, I have a big gut, Aaron. I have a big, okay, big okay. old belly that holds a lot. My diaphragm goes really low. Um, oh, okay, okay. Okay. Uh, so, but what I'll do, then I'll put like 20 auto tuners on it. Like just do the thing that nobody does, which is like piece together an absurd amount of auto tuners and just like 45 reverb settings that, yeah. you know, and let's just see what comes of it. And every, you know, nine right. times out of 10 is complete crap. But every once oh, in a while yeah. you're like, whoa, that like weird yeah, artifact that shot out the other end of that 25 Chain, long ch- 25 uh, auto-tuned chain link of pedals mm-hmm. you know I never would have done that on my own unless I was really frustrated right now so you, you just never know and that's the thing about like Logic and Ableton is you can go in and you can build things that you couldn't afford to build I can't afford yeah. to buy 25 auto-tuners but I can afford to put 25 auto-tuners in Logic even though they're not great I can still line them all up and be like well how crazy is this going to sound um, yeah. as a way to sort of jog me out of my my bullshit yeah it's just play yeah it's playing and enjoying like the process of learning how to play well I want, i'm bringing out oh i have a thing here <laughs> it says in the middle of a busy life take some time to be a kid again well, that's when, when, when they talk about kids learning foreign languages or they learn different skill sets way quicker than adults, it's because kids, I mean, there's many reasons, but one of the reasons is kids play more. And if adults yeah. can get into a, a sandbox with zero goals, mm-hmm. your goal is just to be in the sandbox and come up with something like and have mm-hmm. zero attachment to it. I think we would find way more. I mean, it's just as soon as you get in, you start to attach meaning to things and you start to attach failure or success to things. And you you're, you start to sort of guess, oh, well, if I stayed on this track, it's going to fail. And it's like, well, just don't care. Just yeah. let the tr- let the train run off the cliff. <laughs> no one's going to get hurt. Yeah. It's fine. You know? Yeah. I mean, one thing that I'm institute or that I have instituted since the beginning of the studio is like, okay, I'm going to learn something every day. Mm. So I've started Babbel. I'm learning Spanish. Oh, sweet. And I'm doing that every day. Muy bien, gracias. ¿Y tú? (laughs) Bien, um, malo, malo. Más o menos. What? Más o menos. ¿Qué? ¿Qué? 
4K? More or less. Oh, more or less. Sorry. <laughs> my mom, I, I, now you're at the limit of my Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> muy, muy, muy gordo is how I know how to talk about myself. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Well, anyways, muy, muy, muy buena. That's what I wanted to say. Muy buena. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's something. It's like if I keep on, if I, I what I, what I, uh, I'm hoping. Sorry, muy, muy bonita. <laughs> that that, muy, muy bonita. That's what I meant to say. Not muy buena. Linda. Bonita means okay. very beautiful. That's what I meant to say, Aaron. Yes. Tu es muy you, bonita. Tu, tu es muy bonita. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to get there eventually. <laughs> Anyways, um, oh, so basically, what I what if I I'm hoping that if I well, am just conscientiously learning something every day that is going to spill into everything and I'm going to have more fun learning things and I'm going to just be more inspired to learn things in all the different aspects of my life and that's actually working out geniusly well I think Aaron um, (laughs) that I I mean uh, I'm not worried about wrapping this up now because you and I are going to connect a million times and I know that you have other (laughs) things you've got to get to today but I feel like that's a really good spot to sort of put a pin in this conversation and just say like people need to look back people just need to think a little bit about sorry i'm not summarizing this very well i want people to look at what you just said over the last 45 minutes as like having looked at the other three conversations you and i have had oh my god and i'm saying this not in a like look at how aaron was scared in the beginning and look at how confident she is now like (laughs) No, look at the way Aaron and I both were talking about this crazy shit that went down five months ago yeah. to now. And I think just take from Aaron exactly what I hoped would happen, which is what I know smart human beings do, which is eventually we figure the fuck out because there's no yeah. other choice, Aaron. Like we have there's to no do it. You and I especially, it's like I don't have plan B. Like I can't. Oh, my gosh. You know, my I, plan B is so sad. I mean, I landscaping, maybe you and I team up. I love mowing lawns. So maybe you and I can start a business. Together. The thing is, yeah, but see, I injured myself. That's another thing. Like, I week I came back, I mean, I've injured myself landscaping so many times. Where How'd I you can't hurt yourself? Work. Um, I have like a tendonitis, I guess, in my shoulder that just flares up. Okay, real well, bad maybe in our lands. Okay, in our landscaping company, you can just be the person who points to where the problems points? are. Yeah. I'm probably gonna get a freaking no, no, I'll no. Get a- and I don't, I don't want to exacerbate any any tendonitis. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Okay, but don't do that. Let's just do this. You just go like this. Watch, kidding. watch. You just go like if there's a problem over there. You just go like this. <laughs> I'll get a crick in my neck. That's cool. No, I'm kidding. It's I work really hard. I know. I'm just joking. Hard work, man. I Digging know. holes like nonstop, weeding all this stuff in the hot sun, like overheated. It's been so hot. Anyways. Anyways. Point being, um, as a Plan B, I'm. Of an age, I'm 40, and my sister's like, "Why don't you consider getting a job that <laughs> where you're not going to hurt yourself, and also maybe you'd be able to retire from it?" Or we're going to start like a we're, we're starting a business called Aaron and Josh are going to fix your yard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it on the side of a truck. It'll be great. We'll have magnets for it. everybody. Aaron and Josh fix your yard. Aaron and Josh will fix your yard. Everybody gets masks. It'll be great. We're going to be fantastic. If it ain't asphalt, it's your fault. <laughs> if it ain't asphalt, it ain't our fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, yeah. I am really grateful to check up with you, uh, check in with you, and check up with you on uh, during these okay. times. And let's um, let's continue this tradition, even if things get back to normal, if. whatever that means. Uh, you know, whatever. Let's just keep checking in. I'm really, really. It warms my heart to see you um, have your face lit up. And and how's your mom doing? Is she okay? You? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom, um, well, she had another scare. She went in, got some tests and or some, yeah, like a PET scan or an MRI. I forget which one. And they found another thing in her breast. And like, oh, she was so stressed and it's so scary. But then she got a biopsy and it's fine. Good, good. So she can focus on these other things that are going on with her. (sighs) You know, we're all houses. If you don't take care of your house, I mean, she took great care of her house. Even if you take care of your house, a hurricane can come and blow it down. Yeah. Right. Or like, you know, you open up a wall and all of a sudden you see a leak that you didn't even realize could be there. Yep. So, um, yeah, just got to cherish our bodies, cherish our, our lives and our loved ones and keep it going. Well, Aaron, I'm glad- what's that? Cherish you. 
cherish you too, Aaron Dyer. I appreciate Please. you having him. I appreciate you in my life. You, you, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. I, I told my wife today, she's like, who are you doing a podcast with? I said, Aaron Dyer. She's like, oh, Aaron Dyer, how's she doing? I said, I'm about <laughs> to find out. <laughs> yeah, she said, tell her hi. I was like, I'm about to find out. I don't know. You never know. <laughs> but I, I'm, I always look forward to us chatting, Aaron. And Likewise. I genuinely do hope we can do it again in person uh, sooner than later. But I'm of the mindset right now that I do not want to rush anything. I think we rush, human beings rush way too much historically oh, yeah, I agree. for the last thousands of years we've rushed a lot and it's it's not done yep. us well so i despite my feelings of wanting to get back in the room and and have these discussions and hug you and <laughs> and pick you up and do all the things that we do when we're in person um let's not rush it and let's just check in i, I appreciate it it helps me out yeah it would probably break my back if i tried to pick you up too yeah let's not do that <laughs> all right aaron dyer <laughs> I love you with all my heart. Take care of yourself. Bye, Josh Willen. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, you too. Bye. see, See you, buddy. All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. This podcast was brought to you by Liquid Drum. Liquiddrum.com down in Waco, Texas. Todd Meehan runs an amazing percussion advocacy, education, and uh, humorous website called liquiddrum.com. Check him out. You won't regret it. Also, Dunleavy Pans. Kyle Dunleavy builds and tunes all the steel drums that I play on and teach on. Uh, You can check out his work at dunleavypans.com, D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Y pans.com. He's an amazing tuner. Really nice guy. Check him out. Also, if you are interested in, you never always wondered what the steel band is, what it does, why it's important, where it's from, you can check out paninmotion.com. They're an organization uh, with run by a bunch of my good friends from the pan scene in Brooklyn. Um, Trisha, Arisha, Kendall, Jerry, among others down in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, You can check them out at paninmotion.com. And finally, if you just want interesting apparel centered around steel drum stuff and other advocacy as well, you can check out Ali Andre's page at Mango Chow on Facebook. Mango, like the fruit, and Chow, C-H-O-W. I have a bunch of his shirts, and they're beautiful, so check them out. I hope you enjoyed this conversation, and uh, I hope you're all doing well. I really mean that. Take care, stay safe, be kind to each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.